how you use the power of social media and your expertise to transform the experience of your consumers and create new ideas. It's really all about being like a challenger brand and, and partnering with other partners that can amplify our voice. Sometimes the influencer can be seen as a very transactional. The challenge of the industry is find the right influencer that fit your brand, right? They share the same values and the same purpose and how to build your personality for a brand on your perspectives. Ryanair did not have a personality until like six months ago. And now suddenly, you know, they have built a personality and nowadays people are like, this is the best account on social media. The beauty of TikTok is that, right? Because you can be a huge TikToker regardless of the numbers of followers that you have. Hi everyone, this is Mara Genovese, founder and CMO of MD Power, global influencer market agency. And this is our influencer marketing uncover podcast. Today, as always, I'm here with my lovely Alex Velez, campaign manager at Imaging Power. And together, we are bringing to you another incredible ex episode today that's going to be joined by the lovely and talented Sonia Gonzalez, marketing manager at Burton's Biscuit Company in the UK and an incredible TikTok marketing educator. With over five years of experience in the FMCG industry, Sonia has helped major brands optimize their digital plans and long-term social media strategies. In today's episode, we'll be exploring together how FMCG brands can better optimize their digital presence and social media strategies. And of course, we'll be talking about her channel on TikTok. Hi, Alex. How are you? Hi, Myra and everybody. I'm great. I'm so excited to be co-hosting today's episode. Uh, first of all, Sonia, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I would like to kick this podcast off by giving you a few minutes to introduce yourself to the audience and explain a bit more about your professional experience. Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, I have to say thank you so much for getting me onto this podcast. I've been listening to a couple of your episodes, super interesting. Um, you've had some amazing guests on, so I feel really honored to be here. Um, just a little bit of my background. Uh, so I, uh, I am specializing in FMCG, so fast-moving consumer goods, um, specifically food and drink. Um, so that's where I started my career um, about seven, eight years ago. Um, and I have been a, I'm a traditionally trained uh, marketer. So I went to university um, to study marketing and strategy. And then I went straight into brand management for Muller, which is one of the largest um, yogurt and dairy producers here in the UK. Um, and I managed some of their biggest brands. Um, and after that, I went into DIY um, and worked for Henkel on brands like Sellotape and Loctite. And nowadays I am a marketing manager at Burton's um, and I look after some of the UK case largest biscuits brands and most loved biscuit brands including jammy dodger wagon wheels and some of our premium brands as well as well as our social media team and our e-commerce team 
Um, on the side, <laughs> as a side hobby, um, I am also a TikTok creator. Um, I am very passionate about marketing also outside of work. And so I'm, uh, I think, the only uh, product marketer actually on TikTok talking about product insights, product marketing, brand management, um, and also debunking some marketing myths um, that are out there. And so that's what I do in my free time. Um, and I enjoy it very much. Wonderful, Sonia. It's just so exciting to hear your stories and I don't even know where to start because I think today we're going to have a great conversation and I love the fact that you have this incredible hub outside work and that you have that vision of, you know, educating business on, on, on marketing, but in a format that no one who ever thought that would be possible, right? 15 seconds, 45 seconds, six seconds of content, and you can really get great insights from, from your videos. But before I go to TikTok, let's talk a little bit starting this conversation. I'm very uh, fascinated uh, about you know everything that you do, but I wanted to kind of understand, uh, going back a little bit from the past year, when the pandemic started, when we, you know, which was like over a year ago now, right? So March, 2020. So how you as a marketing manager for such, you know, as you said, the most loved biscuits here in UK. So very well-known brands that, you know, especially English people, they know really well about those products. So how was last year for you and how you use the power of social media and your expertise to transform the experience of your consumers and create new ideas of innovations to go through that year, which is still, we are not there yet, but uh, you're getting there. Uh, but love to understand from your strategically point of view, how, how did you do it and how you transform the way you communicate your products? Yeah, it's it's super interesting, actually. So, um, well, the first step was actually not as much from a campaign point of view, but the first step on that was actually bringing expertise into Burton's. So I actually joined Burton's at the very beginning of the um, pandemic. And at the time, we were working with a variety of different agencies. Um, and I felt like we, we couldn't really get our voice across in the way that I wanted to and that the brands deserved. And so the first step actually was to build in-house capability. So I built a social media in-house team, um, including graphic designers, um, community managers, social media experts. And we basically built our own little agency inside Burton's that nowadays actually manages all of our campaigns. And that way we can really ensure that we speak with one voice, that we know the brands really well, we can connect insights from the brand teams to the social media and be really interactive with them, really um, responsive, which has been a blessing uh, and it has been like a, a huge advantage. In terms of our social media itself, even though the brands that I manage are, are really big and have great awareness in the UK, you know, they're a little bit of an underdog when it comes to social media. They might not have the audience that some of our competitors would. And so the approach has been really like that of a challenger brand. How can we 
um, do things a little bit differently? How can we partner up with maybe larger platforms or larger partners to draw on their expertise and draw on their reach? And so a, a great example of that was when we relaunched Jemmy Dodgers um, mid last year, we actually changed the recipe to be fully vegan. And that was a huge, like, mm -hmm big news and so we what we actually did is we partnered up with a hugely powerful vegan community on instagram and we really tapped into that community we used word of mouth um with loads of influencers and different platforms to get the news out there so even though our spend itself was actually quite small our voice got amplified throughout the internet because all the vegan accounts basically picked up the news and spread the word and you know that was majorly successful and, and we got a lot of out that um but so that was you know it's really all about being like a challenger brand and and partnering with other partners that can amplify our voice um and the other bit has been all around influencer marketing actually you know how can we use influencers more and better rather than just paying them a flat fee for one post how can we build like true partnerships with them so that they want to promote us and that they become like true partners to the cause and to the brand and so that has been um, a journey we haven't always gotten it right but i feel like that has been a major part of our success as well wonderful and i love the fact that you mentioned about the the, the ingredient right so that you guys uh, saw an opportunity of even not just changing the way you communicated and bringing your capability in house, but how to actually go in that to your products and actually changing the ingredients. So the, the, the idea of the vegan uh, ingredient element was because there was a demand from your consumers or was something that the actual, you know, the, the group like Burton's wanted to have uh, an offer that could serve in the, the vegan. So what was the, 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 the trigger there to make that decision? It's a great question. Um, and as with all good questions, the answer is usually both. Um, so there was, we used to be vegan, actually, we used to have a vegan recipe, um, but we changed it a while back. And I remember having that discussion with my CMO and we always had, you know, a lot of people remembered the vegan recipe and they were like, why are you not vegan anymore? Um, and we were like, that's such a great opportunity to, first of all, make us accessible to all which is what our brand should be all about. You know, we want to be accessible to all. And really, it wasn't really needed in our recipe. Like we, we knew we could make it work without. And then the second bit is that nowadays, I feel all uh, new product development should have an aspect of virality built into them. Um, because there's so many new product launches, there's so many new news at all times that if you don't build virality into your product launches, it, it becomes very difficult to stand out. And so as soon as the idea was born, like, okay, we can go back vegan, we were immediately thinking about how can we tap into the vegan community? How can we make it really worthwhile for them to get excited about this? Because it, we knew that it would automatically create buzz. So we were thinking about, loads of different ways how we could just amplify that naturally. Um, and so that was really the secret to that. And uh, yeah, within like three months, we had over 60% of our consumers knew about the new recipe and knew about it. And we had, we did a lot of communication around um, like 
we've actually changed the pack design at the same time. So we would say like, oh, the old pack is not vegan and it looks like this. And the new pack is vegan and it looks like this. And so we had a lot of education going on at the same time to make sure. And so people basically went out hunting for the new packs and for the new pack designs. And so there was another sort of subtle um, education campaign wrapped into that in terms of, Ooh, actually paying attention to the design because most consumers don't really care as much about the design, right? Um, but we were like, oh, you know, if you see this on the design, it means it's vegan. If you don't see this, it means it's not vegan. So it was, it was quite a nice way to um, also get a little bit of education in. So yeah, it was, it was hugely successful for us. Wonderful. And that community engagement that you had from that new product launch was organically or it was a combination of organic but also partnership with vegan community so how how was this strategically behind you know like build that viral element engaging with the vegan community but that was a paid partnership or it was that you know a, a combination of both it was a combination of both so we actually did it in two stages the original one was uh, mostly influencer marketing and working basically with key vegan influencers in the space to amplify the messaging. Um, but then the second wave, we actually had a second wave in January where we linked up with Veganuary. Um, so with the organization that runs Veganuary. And we basically did a second uh, peak in terms of communication uh, with the Veganuary um, organization. And again, we did that through their accounts, as well as through, you know, their emails and through their events, as well as their influencers. So that's actually how we did it. It was both organically um, as well as paid. Mm -hmm. I think the combination of exactly paid and organic was great and I think using the vegan community is amazing because the whole kind of content push probably felt very natural to the audience as they're very passionate about this and I wanted to ask because you mentioned that influencer marketing was a big part of this and just wanted to ask as you build an in-house team within the brand uh, what were the biggest challenges when creating like innovative strategies and implementing them? With influencers specifically? In social media in general, but yeah, with uh, influencers specifically as well. Yeah. Um, so I think with influencers specifically, one of the things that I always see is that um, a lot of the transactions, a lot of the relationships are very transactional. You know, like you get in touch with them and you're like, oh, please post this and we're going to pay you X. Um, and then they post one thing. And then quite, quite frankly, most of the time, those posts actually don't perform very well because, you know, they're done in a, it's not that they're half-hearted, but it just doesn't feel quite as organic to their feed and to their audience. So the engagement is usually a lot lower. And so, you know, all the great audience and all the analysis that you have done on selecting the influencers sort of falls apart because the posts don't perform to the extent that you want them to perform. And um, so it was really key for us to, first of all, find um, influences that really matched with the brand purpose and that we're big fans of uh, jamming Dodgers naturally that had maybe eaten it in the past when it was still vegan and they were missing it or their children were eating it. Um, and then the second one was to really make sure that they had also an incentive 
to post something that will work well on their channels. And, you know, there's different ways of doing that. You can incentivize with, oh, once you hit a, a certain like number or a certain viewership number, you know, we pay you extra or you get extra benefits. Um, so we tried a lot of these sort of mechanics and we learned a lot from that approach. Um, and, you know, that has been subsequently really useful for our later campaigns as well. It's interesting that, because like, like for us as an agency, I think the, 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 that you mentioned that sometimes the influencer can be seen as a very transactional, right? So I think the challenge of the industry is find the right influencer that fit your brand, right? They share the same values and the same purpose because otherwise it will become a very, you know, like I'm paying you, I'm posting this, but the result is not going to be there. So I think more than ever, we see in our industry of influencer marketing, it's so important to engage with talent that really has shared the values, but also has a passion for your product, for your brand, and see this as an opportunity of, okay, this is a paid partnership, but I loved so much this product that I can continue to be a, you know, an organic ambassador to promote your product. And then when you have another collaboration, we do it again. So I think more than ever, we need to look at both and beyond the data, the numbers, because sometimes I think we feel very attached to what, what is the, the, the influencer engagement rate, what's the average impressions, what's the average youth. Of course, it is important, right? But the sentiment analysis, the feature with the brand, I think more than ever, especially after 2020, where the average spend on social increased massively. So we are all much more savvy when it comes to consume on, on social, right? So we know how to, to pick, okay, this is, sounds really genuine, this is, sounds very authentic, no, this is, sounds very paid advertising. Uh, so I love the fact that you, you, you have structured that rationale as well behind your influencer marketing campaigns. Just, I think you're absolutely right. I think the other bit that is really important, I think, that people need to realize is that all influencers are content creators, but not all influencers are creative directors. And I'll explain what that means. And I see that now with TikTok, like in extreme. Not all influencers are as skilled in creating like advertisements for products than others and tell that story in a natural and organic way. And so rather than looking at like numbers, if you actually find an influencer that can is really talented in storytelling, that can become so much more useful than having a large audience. If you can almost give them the freedom of being a creative director and getting your message across without having to write them a script, that is so invaluable um, as a brand owner. And so I feel even, you know, there might be a huge influencer but they, they won't maybe be able to create the content that you want. And so I feel there's a huge balance in that. And, and that's where agencies, I think, like you come in to help with that. Absolutely. And I love the point that you said that not every talent is that creative director, right? Because it's a huge difference. So I can be an influencer, but not necessarily. I know how to create a quality and content, right? So it's, and then and, and I think quality today of content is so important as well because you have to have the storytelling behind storytelling i think is 
it's key for any content creation. But in order to create that storytelling, so more than ever, brands need to understand that, of course, we need to have a briefing, right? So the campaign has a strategy. So we have to have a briefing idea behind of what, what I want you to create it. But how can I get that briefing and let the creator, the influencer, to get and translate that in their own way that will resonate much more with their audience rather than getting them a script and say, you have to do like this because this is the strategy and this is the way I want you to create that content. We have an incredible story of, uh, of a campaign we run last year uh, for a baby product brand, one of our clients, that we had an influencer in the US that she was huge on TikTok, but she was not as huge on Instagram. And we are creating content on TikTok for, for this brand that was not really resonating well and getting a lot of engagement because the briefing was so, uh, you know, like you have to follow through exactly what was in the briefing, show the right product, put the right, you know, uh, layer of the text on top of the video of content on TikTok. And especially on TikTok, you have to have the freedom, right? And then I remember this influencer, she said to us, let me do my way. I promise you, if I do my way, it will be resonating much more with my audience because her first video didn't perform really well. And then we were like, oh my God, we were expecting so much views from your, from our video because, you know, when you look at her content and her videos, the, the engagement and the view was huge. And then when she did it for this specifically brand, didn't perform. And she said, I'm happy to do another one, but this time let's do my way. And then she did. And then she hit three, 3 million views in less than 24 hours versus 150 views from a video that was there for a week. So, and then it really proved the point, right? That when you let the influencer create it with the storytelling that they think that we resonate is when we see the magic happening. If you give them that freedom to, this is the briefing, this is what you need to mention, and then let them run with it, it creates magic. Sonia, let's talk about the main challenge consumer brands face when they're trying to innovate it into their digital campaign and strategy. Because you itself is such an innovative uh, professional, right? Because you have your own channel on TikTok, and as you said today, for us that you have restructured the whole you know capability of of the company that you're working at the moment so let's talk about you know challenge so what are the main challenges for consumer brands to trying to innovate it into digital landscape that's a great question i think um Especially food and drink. I'm talking specifically about food and drink here. Um, but, you know, really for all fast-moving consumer goods. Um, I think it's really difficult because most of our products are sold through retailers. You know, we don't sell direct to consumer. So if you're Gymshark, let's say, or if you're Adidas or Nike, you know, you can put a direct call to action and you can measure sales through your social media. It becomes very measurable. It becomes very tangible. Whereas for us and for, for consumer good brands, it's really difficult because, you know, we are stocked in, let's say, all major retailers. So if you have a video, if you have a piece of content, what do you do? You cannot link 17 retailers. You, if you link one, you favor one over the other. You know, that becomes difficult. Um, and 
so a lot of times when you work in consumer goods, um, the, it's very difficult to measure impact. And so you have to measure impact differently. Um, and so you can measure impact by saying, oh, you know, we went viral on, on, on TikTok and we gained 2,000 followers on Instagram. You know, that could be the measurement of success. Um, we had maybe a certain views or you had certain hashtags or you had certain participants in a competition. It becomes a little bit softer of a metric versus sales. And so that makes it difficult especially if you work with larger agencies to prove ROI. Um, and so th that's why I feel a lot of consumer brands are really struggling. The second, the second challenge is that quite frankly, consumer brands are not that exciting. A lot of them don't actually have that much personality, you know, like it, again, Gymshark, Adidas, or, you know, even beauty brands, they have a personality, they have faces to it. Whereas, you know, I'm selling a biscuit, or I'm selling a tape, or I'm selling toothpaste. You know, do you want to follow toothpaste on Instagram? Do you want to follow toothpaste on TikTok? The value that you need to provide needs to be a lot higher than if it would be a gym brand or a shoe brand or a cosmetic brand or a fashion brand. And so that is the challenge. How do you give a brand a personality that people are actually willing to you know, follow a biscuit for. Um, and then once you have done all of that hard work, how do you actually measure success? And so those are the two hurdles that I'm constantly trying to overcome with different, you know, campaigns and different executions. And it's hard. It's hard. A lot of brands are really struggling with it, um, especially, I know I'm talking a lot about TikTok, but I, I've actually done a lot of research on TikTok for brands. And I think a lot of brands are struggling they're struggling so much and it's because they they're struggling with having a personality and how to build your personality for a brand on your perspectives how you would build your personality difficult very difficult there's no there's no formula for success um but i think the two accounts who do it brilliantly are ryanair um so if you're not following uh, ryanair on tiktok you are missing out um, and the second one is Innocent, as usual. You always say social media Innocent. But I think Innocent has a major advantage because they have been building a personality over years and years and years. And so for them, TikTok was a natural extension. Ryanair did not have a personality until like six months ago. And now suddenly, you know, they have built a personality of this face superimposed on a plane doing silly lip syncs. And people are loving it. You know, usually everybody hates on, on Ryanair. And nowadays people are like, this is the best account on social media. I mean, what a, what a transformation, really. Um, so it's really about being, I hate this word. I really, really do. But until I find a better one, I will keep using it. You do have to be like a wet cat. You have to be authentic to the bone. You have to be real. And the truth is also not all brands are made for social media sometimes your brand is just not made for social media. And so then you have to accept that and you have to maybe use social media as a customer service channel instead, rather than being, you know, uh, a laughing toothpaste or something. And, and, and that's it. And then you live with that and you find other channels to promote. Speaking of that, when looking at, for example, channels like, you know, TikTok, Instagram and working with influencers and then comparing it to other forms of like, 
more traditional digital marketing like paid, PPC, SEO, what would you say the advantages of influencer marketing and social are uh, against those more traditional forms of advertising? So as someone who has an in-house team, I, th- I would say the number one advantage is, is well, first of all, reach uh, yep. most of the time. But second of all, also content. Mm-hmm. Um, because yes, you know, I can put money against a dark post or against some ad, and then I can let that run. Um, again, people might not want to follow a biscuit or toothpaste or whatever, but they will follow an influencer and they can get the same message across. You know, at the end of the day, it's not about the numbers of likes or the numbers of followers. It's about the sales in store. So if my brand only has 1000 followers on Instagram, but I'm selling very well because of an influencer post, then I will take that any day over having a million Instagram followers and not selling in stores. And so I think a lot of people are a little bit uh, like sometimes blinded by the easy metrics, you know, by the Instagram followers, by the TikTok followers, by the whatever. But really at the end of the day, all of that is is completely irrelevant. What counts is sales. And any way you can get to sales should be the best way that you do it. And I feel at the moment from a cost um, and ROI perspective, influencers are the way to go. Not even big influencers, in my opinion, I think it's micro-influencers that are the way to go. Um, but yeah, I think influencer marketing is hugely powerful um, and it's definitely something that will continue to grow. And as to, to your point about the numbers of followers that doesn't really matter nowadays, it's so true. And TikTok proved that for us, right? Because when it comes to TikTok, you don't necessarily need to work with a talent that, you know, has 1 million followers because the algorithm on TikTok function completely different from Instagram. And I think the beauty of TikTok is that, right? Because you can be a huge TikToker regardless of the numbers of followers that you have. And, 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 on, and on, on TikTok, and you are more expert on that. We really want to talk about your account and, and how you started. And, but before to, to say that, I feel like when we go for, out to work on TikTok with our brands, we have to educate the clients because they still think when we go and do a list of TikTok creators, they go, oh, but they only have 2,000 followers. Oh, but they only have 10,000 followers. And then it still needs to be an education on clients and say, okay, followers is not the metric that's going to give us the ROI. So we are looking for great creators' content, right? Creators that can create a, a, a video with the great storytelling behind, with the quality, with high production, and most important, the word that you don't like and I don't like as well, to be authentic and show that it's genuine because this is the secret, right? And, and TikTok, it's amazing because you can work with small talent and get amazing results from then. So moving into your TikTok account now, which I, I am obsessed with. Guys, whoever is listening to us today, please find Sonia on TikTok. You're never going to regret that. So how it started and what was, you know, why you had that idea was to complement the work that you're doing at Burton's. Tell me the story because I am fascinated. So um, 
really it was you know as everything in marketing it was it was about finding a pain point and solving it and so my pain point was uh, the second lockdown the second pandemic the second round of pandemic um and i i downloaded tiktok somebody told me oh you need to download tiktok i was like oh it's for kids um but i downloaded it because you know i had nothing else to do and the algorithm at the beginning was really struggling to give me an fyp a, a, a for you page that um give me anything interesting to be honest and so i was like well i'm interested in marketing so let me look for marketing content and i started interacting with marketing content and i was searching for marketing content and what i noticed was that basically all of it 100 was social media marketing and that is a pet peeve of mine because i meet a lot of students I have always been very um, engaged in like student career development and marketing career development. And I know that everybody's always like, oh, I want to get into social media, like marketing equals social media marketing. And that is hugely frustrating to me because I feel like marketing has so many facets to offer, so many subcategories to offer, including product marketing, including brand management. And I wish I could get more people into, into those areas, you know, more young blood. And so as I was watching all of this content, I was like, I can talk about what I do every day at work. And I remember I uploaded at the time, um, I had a new product launch and market. It was a, it was a tape, sellotape, um, the first ever compostable and biodegradable sellotape, a product that I'm hugely excited about, hugely proud of. Um, and, you know, it's, it's like my baby. And I was like, oh, like... I, I want to talk about that. I would. I just want to show how much work has gone into the development of this tape because most people, you know, don't really care about it. And I remember I uploaded that video and it had like half a million views. Wow! Like literally overnight. So I gained. I I almost gained like fifteen thousand followers in the first thirty days. I remember just talking about sellotape. You know. P- something that you would not be interested about in normal life but people were like oh my god i can't believe that you know so much work has gone into it like it's magnetized and it has like little ripples on the edge so it's easy rip and all the work that has gone into the developing the glue and all the work that has gone in developing the plastic and i was just talking about that i mean nothing super exciting and people got really excited about that and were like oh i want to hear more i want to hear more and especially what i saw was there was two groups there's really two groups on my tiktok one is uh, students that want to get into marketing and that need to understand what uh, all the different types of marketing there are, um, you know, copywriting, PR, event marketing, all of that. And the second group of people is actually small business owners because there's a lot of small business owners during lockdown that actually launched products, you know, like physical products, T-shirts, shoes, candles, uh, little dish holders, you know, all of those are consumer goods, basically. And a lot of them were focusing on like, oh, what is the color of my social media grid? And I was like, that is irrelevant. What you should be focusing on is your pricing strategy, your product strategy, your channel strategy, you know, all of the things that I deal with on an everyday basis. And so a lot of the advice that I give on my channel is about that other side of marketing, the forgotten side of marketing. Um, and I really enjoy what I'm doing. And then obviously as a side, as a side benefit, it's, it's very, it's very uh, beneficial for my day job because I also manage the social media team. And you do TikTok content for the FMCG brand that you work with, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. 
And then, so from your experience, you will be, you were able to learn getting sites to apply on your day-to-day job. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the projects actually that I've been recently working on is because I've seen a lot of fast moving consumer good or consumer good brands struggling on TikTok, as I said earlier. And so I started looking into that and I started to analyze it and I started to, I tried to understand why they weren't performing as maybe influencers are performing or even small businesses are performing. And I actually put together a training workshop and I had people like, I had some of the UK's largest agencies on it. I had innocent drinks attending my trainings and I basically taught them about, I tried to explain to them the algorithm, um, how to build a content strategy. What are the different types of paid mechanics that they can use? How can you build um, viral challenges for consumers? You know, how do you, what are the aspects that make something viral versus not viral? All of these sort of things, all of those toolkits that they're not really used to um, from the other channels and trying to un- teach them the, the TikTok ways. And so that has been really interesting to watch and how they're applying that. And obviously some of the brands are hugely successful with that and doing really well. And, um, and I'm, I'm, keeping, I'm keeping my tabs on that. And in terms of when looking at TikTok and your experience on both working on the brand side and then managing your own personal brand, if you were to give advice to a brand right now and you were to give them like, let's say, three top tips about, I'm sorry for putting you on the spot here, (laughs) three top tips on uh, what to focus on on TikTok, what would that be? Um. Well, my, my, number, my, my number one tip would be to forget everything that you've learned on other social media channels. Um, Facebook and Instagram, even Pinterest, you know, it's all about being very polished, being very, you know, um, very beautiful, very shiny, very advertising-esque. TikTok is the opposite of that. You need to be um, you need to be like a naked cat, as I said before. You know, you need to let your your walls down, and you need to let people see your flaws and and things like that. Not all brands are suited to do that. Not all brands are willing to do that, and that is fine. But then you probably shouldn't be on TikTok. That, that is the reality of it, because the polished content doesn't work. And um, so that's the number one content advice. The second advice I would say is use use influencers more than ever um, and really create long-term relationships with people that are already using you. I think Starbucks especially has done a fantastic job. I mean, I did a video the other day and I did some research on it. Starbucks has 12 billion hashtag mentions. I mean, that is insane. That is, you know, more than any TV campaign could ever get. Um, and how have they done that? Because they have a viral, they have virality built into their concept, virality built into their drinks. They haven't actually created an influencer drink like Dunkin' Donuts. They are just working with their baristas. There are some baristas that have millions of followers. Um, you know, they're working with people like Anna. Um, so working with influencers is, is definitely the way to go. They don't need to be big, but they need to have a really strong following. Um, and then the third one is um, around experimentation. It sort of links into number one, but the content that you need to put out on TikTok doesn't only need to be authentic, but it will most likely be slightly different and you will be most likely targeting a slightly different audience 
to all your other channels. And so you need to be aware of that and you need to probably tailor your approach a little bit more. You know, you need to do trends. You need to do funky songs, funky voiceovers that you might not usually would do on your normal channels. And that is okay. Um, and so those would be probably the three things that I would advise for brands. But it's a, it's a, tough, it's a tough space and it requires, um, it requires balls. As a, as a manager, as a marketing manager, as a social media manager, it requires uh, you to really put, put your skin in the game and, and prepare to fail expect to fail and you will most likely succeed love that and then i know that's i think the education that all the brands need to have on tiktok because there is that fine line that you said that's so true that you cannot go on tiktok and expect that you're going to be creating the polished content that you created on another platform because tiktok was not created for that right the whole object of the platform is the opposite It just go there, create your content, of course, authentic, but just be who you are. You don't need big production in there. It's all about having fun in the platform and, and not be afraid of showing your personality, your character, and tell the story that you wanted to tell, which is the opposite of all the platforms. And with the hashtag challenge is something that we always discuss with our clients when they wanted to do a hashtag challenge, which is a huge investment, right, to do so. However, we always prepare our clients, not just about the investment on that and how they're going to get the ROI, but we have to educate them on expecting to have UGC that we don't have the control of, right? So I don't, I cannot put a challenge out there and expecting that every UGC content I will see on the platform will be telling the story of the brand exactly as the brand wish we don't have control so if you wanted to go for hashtag challenge expected to have UGC content they might not gonna be super happy about it but this is the this is the fun part about doing a hashtag challenge each individual can interpret 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 the way they want it right absolutely and I, I can speak from my own experience so again I did a lot of analysis when I was putting this workshop together you know one of the great examples of hashtag challenges and someone who's really nailed it down really well is Chipotle so if you're looking for hashtag challenge examples Chipotle has done two or three hugely viral uh, hashtag challenges and and you know some of them were not even backed by by TikTok you know the official uh, through the paid aspect it was just a viral thing that came through and they and and while I was analyzing that you know I noticed that there were a couple of things that sort of defined how to create um, like viral viral content and viral uh, challenges and I would actually love to hear your opinion on this because um, those were like the six things that I thought were really relevant and I would love to actually get your uh, opinion on this because I have done a hashtag challenge on some of my brands and actually it didn't quite work because we didn't get it quite right. And so it's, it's very, very hard to get right, but when you get it right, it pays off. So the, the six things that I always think are super important when it comes to challenges is that it's really easily replicated. Like there, there needs to be a simplicity to it where people see it as, oh yeah, I can totally try this and I could probably get it right. But there also needs to be like an uncertain outcome because a lot of those challenges, the, the really viral videos are when it doesn't work, 
or when the when the maybe the dance is not quite perfect or there's maybe a, a certain twist to it um there needs to be definitely creative flexibility for the creators that you that you work with if you want to amplify it. it needs to be really fun obviously tiktok is all about being really fun it needs to absolutely have a catchy song attached to it if you if you would have all all five if you hit all five of these um of these aspects but you don't have catchy music it fails like tiktok is a music platform um and there needs to be some sort of incentive for viewers to actually enter the challenge and that could be something really stupid you know it could be um like a lifetime uh or like a one year supply of chipotle i think it was for chipotle it could be um some biscuits it could be fame it could be you know being named the number one super fan and um, but there needs to be something to to go after um and so i feel that is like the formula that a lot of the really successful challenges have been following but i don't know if you guys have any any thoughts on that totally agree and then to be completely honest with you we have done one challenge a few years ago which was our first hashtag challenge with one of our clients and it was a disaster because we didn't get that formula that you just said now because it was our first time and the hashtag challenge was such a new trained at the moment two years ago and everyone's like oh my god hashtag challenge you can have 12 billion views if you do a challenge but how to do the challenge and the secret formula of creating a challenge that's super easy to replicate it's super important if you wanted to have a filter making sure they're gonna do a filter of a challenge that is a filter that you don't necessarily have to have the filter at certain second or of the video. There's a filter that it's there for the time you wanted to apply the filter because this filter can be as good, but can be a disaster as well. If you don't play your filter in a way that talent can have the freedom to use the filter when they want within their content and the music for sure, like making sure you have the music, it's key. TikTok, challenge on TikTok without a song, it's not a challenge. You don't necessarily need to have a dance, right? So you can create any type of challenge, but the music is such an important uh, element uh, into it. Um, and another education, I think is super important on TikTok, super cute, the cat, lovely. Is you can have a challenge on TikTok without necessarily doing an official hashtag challenge, right? So I think brands are very attached to, oh, I can only run a challenge if I pay for a challenge. No, you can do a challenge without having to pay for a challenge. Another important thing to note here, and this is from the learnings from running a challenge that uh, did not perform as well in terms of user-generated content, is understanding that usually people who create TikToks, create TikToks, uh, should only themselves they can't involve other people within the content so they can't involve a group uh, a group of people when creating the content so that's really important when creating a challenge to make it accessible to a person that's only going to shoot it themselves that's a, that's a great point and i i wonder actually i wonder if that will maybe become easier once we come out of lockdown because one of the things i have noticed is i'm seeing more and more tiktoks being created outside which you didn't see before, you know, you would always sit in front of a white wall and, or, you know, with a ring light, you can't do that. Like, we you know, when you're outside, I mean, I'm embarrassed to record anything outside, at least for myself. And so 
um, I think, you know, with us coming out of the pandemic, I wonder if that will actually change. I, I don't think it's going to change because before the pandemic, one month before, I went to New York for, for a few business meetings there. And I remember seeing on Central Park a lot of like the Gen Zers on the park recording TikTok. And I remember I was like, oh my God, I was fascinated because there was all those kids out there on Central Park. And every time I was walking around, I could see their recording videos on TikTok and it was pre-pandemic. So I think it's one change. So I think it's uh, that's that's my feeling. So let's see. Let's see. No, but I think it's a, it's a really, really good point. It's a really good point. So Anna, we could stay here forever talking because, you know, you're incredible and it's been incredible getting all the insights from you and from your experience working with, you know, FMCG brands and also like your experience on TikTok and how you're combined your personal experience or professional experience. So your career is lovely. Again, I am a big fan of your TikTok uh, account. And again, I will tell our listeners to not miss that out so you can learn a lot about marketing. She's super fun, super authentic. Everything that she said here that we have to do on TikTok is what she's doing on her own account. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you here, hopefully to be able to meet you in person soon when this is all over. And uh, once again, what a pleasure to meet with you and have you on our podcast. Thank you so much, Mara. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'm sure we'll see each other very soon. Amazing. Thank you so much, Alex, for being here with me today, again, hosting this podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners and to our amazing guests once again. Amazing. So thank you again, everyone who has tuned in to listening to one more episode of our Influencer Marketing Uncover podcast. Hope you have enjoyed our conversation with the lovely Sonia and looking forward to see you on our next episode. Please follow us on YouTube, on Spotify, Apple Play. Every two weeks we have a new episode and you cannot miss. Our guests are global. We are bringing every single time a client from different places of the world, bringing us insights and a lot of tips on how to navigated into the incredible industry of influencer marketing. Thank you so much and I see you soon.